0: There's, there's so much going on in the world right now, so much darkness, so much chaos, so much death, so much destruction. But Lord, we believe that you have anointed us as your people to speak Jesus over those situations. And so here today, one voice, as one people, we speak Jesus over, over the war in the Ukraine. We speak Jesus over the suffering of that nation. We speak peace, the peace of Jesus, over that situation. And, Lord, right across this globe, where there is death, where there is evil, where there is destruction, where there is persecution, we speak the name of Jesus because we know that you are higher, bigger and stronger than any of those things. And, Lord, in our own lives, Lord, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our kids, in our health, in our work situations, Lord, in all those places that need your touch. we just invite you Jesus, to come and transform those situations. We just speak your presence upon them. Lord Jesus. But well, we know that nothing is nothing is um, beyond you. nothing is too big for you. We stand here in faith, and we just declare that your name is mighty, your name is powerful, your name is strong. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Last week, we we had a pretty cozy picture, didn't we, of what church life is supposed to look like in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I do encourage you, if you didn't hear that sermon, go and have a listen, because it really sets the tone and the culture for for who we are as CRC Coolerman. And for that tone and culture to be uh, something that is expressed and something that is taken hold of, we all need to be on the same page, don't we? And so I just encourage you to jump onto the Spotify podcast. You can find us on there or just go straight to our CSC Coolman website and just catch up on last week's sermon because I really really want us to be on the same page with this, all right? We've got to be one heart, one mind, one mission, one purpose, don't we? Or or really we're just a bunch of people meeting together at the school every Sunday. And, And that's not who you want to be, is it? You want to be a church on mission, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but it was a beautiful, cosy picture, wasn't it? And, and really, it, 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 such a delight, isn't it? Um, thinking about the ideal church. and and looking at the different aspects of church life, um, you know, supporting one another, fellowshipping with one another, enjoying prayer together, worshipping together, teaching one another the word. It was beautiful. But I I think the danger with that sort of uh, image of church life is it could quickly become one of those closed Christian huddles, those holy huddles. And, And churches really do risk becoming... A bit closed like that and a bit insular. Um, our church gathering and church worship, it's not to isolate us from the world in 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 the corners of of these four walls, is it? It's not to isolate us. We're to be sent out from this service, we're to be sent out from our times of fellowship and gathering into the world because we're on mission. Are you on mission? I'm on mission. Yeah, we're on mission, aren't we? And we're on mission to see God's image, to see his rule and reign spread across his good creation. And so the fruit of a joy-filled worshipping church is that the resurrection power of Jesus is going to break out. Don't you think that sounds good? The fruit of us gathered together, worshipping together, like Acts 2.42, is that the resurrection power of Jesus is going to break out and doesn't, doesn't the world need it? Doesn't your life need it? Doesn't your family's life need it? I'm sure you can all right now think of half a dozen people that you are close to that needs the resurrection power of Jesus to break out in their life. Well, the good news is the fruit of a joy-filled fellowshipping, worshipping church is that the resurrection power of Jesus is going to break out. I really believe that. Um... We're we're up to Acts 3 today. And if you want to turn to Acts 3, you can just sort of have it open there. But I'll I'll just talk us through it a, a little bit to give us some context. So Acts 3. We've got Peter and we've got John. They're going about their daily business. And they're actually off to visit the temple. They're going to pray at the temple. Now, on the way to the temple they meet someone who's been lame, disabled since birth. This fellow can't walk and he needs to be carried everywhere. He's been born that way. So people carry him to the temple each day so that he could uh, lie there or sit there and beg for money from the people coming to temple. So on the way, um, he sees you know, Peter and John. They're coming in. And so we ask them for money. And Peter stops and he stares intently at the man. You know one of those intense gazes that just makes you feel really uncomfortable? You know, one of those like, it's intense. Why is this person staring at me? My goodness, some of you are very good at staring back. I don't think I I can outstare some of you. Uh, But it's this strong, focused gaze there's something that, that that has sort of caused Peter to stop. And, and in this moment, I wonder, and this is what I think is happening. I think Peter has been prompted by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had one of those experiences where you just you stop and you're just looking at someone or you're looking at a situation and you, you're not quite sure what's happening, but you're just looking intently. And I think he's sensing in this man, in this moment, there's an opportunity to bring the resurrection power of Jesus into this man's life. And Peter says, Look at us. Look at us. There's real authority there, isn't there? Peter's sure. Peter knows. And he says, Look at us. And so the man looks, but of course, the man thinks he's going to get a handout. Doesn't he? But who knows what's better than a handout? A hand up. That's right. You knew that one was coming, didn't you? And he says this in, in verse 6. Peter says these amazing, famous words Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Don't you just love how on the way to prayer, these guys stop and pray for someone's healing? Isn't that great? Peter and John are just so full of resurrection power. And so they they grab this man's hand and as they grab his hand and help him up in that that moment of faith, like they're they're not seeing this guy has suddenly been healed, but they're reaching out and grabbing him by the hand. And as he stands, his feet and his ankles become strong. What a wonderful contrast, because now we see this man with his feet and ankles strong, and he's standing, and he enters the temple, and he's excited. I mean, he is dancing and jumping and praising God, and what an amazing contrast that is, from crippled, disabled, outside the temple, outside of that place of belonging, outside of, you know where his fellow Jews are, weak, suffering. And then it's contrasted with him inside the temple, in this place of belonging, with his fellow Jews. And he's praising God. And he's dancing. And he is jumping, and he is excited. And I get a little bit excited just reading that story. Hey, you can't help but get a bit excited. Everyone who sees him recognises him as the fellow who was born crippled, who's always begging outside the temple, and everyone is amazed and they're astonished, as you would be too. What's happened, they say? It's a miracle. You know, we all regularly have the need for healing, don't we? And maybe it's not as pronounced as this man, but we all need healing. And often our medical system can help us. Often The way God's designed our bodies, we just naturally get better with time, don't we? But often, often we can't. Often we don't just naturally get better with time. So we need to turn to Jesus, don't we? Do you know someone who is in urgent or dramatic need of healing? You know, where if God doesn't step in, the healing won't happen. Do you know someone who, like this man, perhaps is is crippled or incapacitated in some way, unable to work, unable to go about their normal life, someone who's dependent maybe on others for care and every need? I mean, does this sort of stuff still happen? Can people who are crippled or disabled from birth still be miraculously healed and get up and walk? Is it possible? I want to read to you a little bit from a book um, called Miracles Today and this is the story of a lady by the name of Marlene uh, Cleeps Marlene Cleeps let me just let me just um, build your faith shall I say with this story, it's a good one weighing just two pounds at birth Two pounds is not much, is it? Very little. Uh, Marlene Cleeps from Missouri was born with cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is a group of movement disorders originating in childhood. The disease is permanent, but there are varying levels of severity. As will soon be clear, Marlene's case was a severe one. Marlene became a committed Christian at the age 11 when some Christians in her high school, one of whom had specially felt led to reach out to her, invited her to a Youth for Christ meeting. An orphan since the age of two, gosh, she's had a pretty tough tough life, hasn't she? So she's an orphan, an orphan since the age of two. She relished her relationship with God as her father. Soon after her conversion, she began to pray with words she did not understand because at such times she experienced God's uh, feelings of God embracing her. So she's been you know, baptised in the Holy Spirit there and praying in tongues. She was as yet unaware of any biblical term for this. Marlene took for granted that cerebral palsy was God's plan for her life and remained content. And often we do, don't we? Well, this is my lot in life. This must be what God has for me. Okay. I mean, nothing wrong with contentment. That is a good thing. But anyway. In the years that followed, however, she began to question this assumption as her condition grew increasingly severe. She lost much of her eyesight. Okay. So she's not able to see and became effectively paralysed from the neck down. Some of her muscle spasms were so severe that her seizures had broken the bones of those trying to take care of her. That's significant. She lost control of most of her body, though she retained some control of her eyes and mouth. She never stopped shaking, and her head was always bent to one side, Unable to swallow, she drooled uncontrollably. It's pretty severe, isn't it? Although she believed that God was sovereign, when she was 17, she began to question whether this condition itself was God's ideal plan for her. Although God works everything for our good, even uh, when what someone else may intend as evil, God also often desires to thwart that evil. Finally, after two days of continuous spasms, Marlene became increasingly desperate. Although her intellect was not impaired, those around her began discussing what to do with her. Unable to understand her frantic attempts to communicate, they wrongly supposed that her brain was essentially dead. Yet she felt God's assuring her of his love and that he would take care of her, repeatedly subduing her panic. Happily, she was transferred to the respected Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Doctors at the Mayo Clinic recognised she was actually fully aware of her surroundings. Unfortunately, they could not offer her much hope regarding her condition. After three months of attempted rehabilitation, they informed her that she would need to be placed in a total care facility. She was now 19 years old. Pretty, pretty severe stuff, isn't it? I'll, I'll leave you hanging with what happens to Marlene for a little bit. But uh, there, there are two parts of the church's mission that I see here in Acts 3. The first part is healing. And the second part is, is preaching or apologetics. All right, So two parts of the church's mission. Healing people and preaching to them. Today we're going to focus on the healing aspect. Next time we'll focus on the preaching apologetics side of it, okay? So we're going to just, just do part of Acts 3 today. But what I want to say is this. When it comes to mission or you could say when it comes to evangelism, healing has two purposes. It's an attention grabber. So it's to get our attention. It's the visible evidence of the presence and the power of Jesus. And so when people ask, and they ask this all the time, is God real? Have you ever had anyone ask you that? Have you ever asked that? Hands up if you've ever just, is God real? Is that just me that has asked that? Like, is God actually real? Uh, When people ask that, we're wanting to see evidence of God breaking into this world, aren't we? We're wanting to see like the supernatural presence of God, aren't we? Healing miracles, they get our attention, don't they? And so when you have someone's attention, when, some, when you can say, look, God is real, God is powerful, and he is present in this world, you create this opportunity or a platform for, for those people to come to saving faith in Jesus. And so for for many people, these supernatural signs, they they open them up to God. They become receptive and curious and interested and start seeking after God because they get a bit excited about seeing the visible evidence of God's existence. And and for you, this is probably the case too, isn't it? Like miracles, seeing the, the supernatural presence of God at work, it increases our faith doesn't it? It increases that that level of confidence that you have in Jesus, doesn't it? But does this mean everyone who sees a miracle or experiences a miracle or sees some sort of supernatural sign of God, does it mean everyone repents and turns to Jesus? No. Confusingly, unfortunately, it doesn't that was the case, the abundant uh, evidence for, for, of, and testimony of healings across the world, across history, would result in the whole world worshipping Jesus, wouldn't it? It's just not the case. For some people, it just doesn't matter how much evidence of the supernatural they experience. It just doesn't change their heart. And, and maybe the challenge for some of us is that maybe that's us too. Maybe sometimes there's just never enough of God proving himself for our heart to really grow and increase in faith. Because some people have a philosophy worldview that just says God's not real, therefore miracles aren't real. You know, in the Bible, some people respond to miracles with awe and joy and they lay down their life and follow Jesus, but others respond with cynicism and jealousy and anger, don't they? And what we'll see later on after this story is that Peter and John actually end up before the council of Jewish leaders. They get threatened, they get flogged. So miracles can be controversial. They can stir up trouble. Right? So it doesn't matter how amazing a miracle is, a miracle alone won't guarantee that everyone bows their knees before Jesus. They merely catch people's attention. It causes them to think. And, and here's, the, here's the real clincher. You ready? Here's the real clincher exposes their heart. Okay? It exposes what's going on in their heart. A hard, rebellious heart is still going to be hard and rebellious despite miracles. And you could think of uh, Pharaoh in the book of Exodus as an example there. Uh, the, the guy who wrote this, this book I was reading, reading to you from, he says, the success in healings is not that it convinces everyone. Success is that it gets their attention and exposes their heart. But, so healing's not a magic bullet, but it is helpful when it comes to the mission of the church because it's going to get your attention and it's going to tune people into the very real presence, power and authority of God and it creates a platform for us to talk about the gospel. And as I said, next time, we'll look at the preaching that arises from miracles about healing. So healing is an attention grabber, but it's also, the second thing, it's a mercy giver. Healing miracles relieve suffering. And and isn't that mostly what we love to see when we pray for healing? We want to see suffering relieved. You know, we've got to get this straight. God doesn't enjoy human suffering. God loves his creation and he desires good things for his creation. We've got to get this set in our hearts. And and when we think of the story of Marlene Cleeps, I I mean, she'd spent a lot of her time thinking that, that God is sovereign, so therefore her crippling cerebral palsy must be God's, plan for her life. Um, let me read to you a bit more from Marlene's story. So we, where we just left off, she was thinking that it, maybe this was God's sovereign purpose in her life, but she started to question this as she got sicker and more severe with her symptoms. At this point, Marlene finally became angry with God. Have you ever been angry with God about your situation? what's happening in other people's lives. Marlene finally became angry with God, yet she felt not his anger in return, but her heavenly Father's comfort. He showed her a vision of her being healed, of a church and an impending date, March 29. It took her a few days of attempts to communicate this vision to her hospital roommate, um, I, I should say she's, she's actually now being placed in a nursing home So she's, she's so severe she's now living in a nursing home um, it, it took her a few days to attempt to communicate this vision to her hospital roommate And the roommate, a Christian, believed her Their faith was encouraged even more when Marlene received as a gift The very t-shirt she had witnessed in her vision Okay, so God's cooking up something here Marlene told staff that she would be healed, but no one else expected it. Yeah, Marlene, they would say. While hope can provide strength, failed hope yields disappointment, and they had undoubtedly witnessed plenty of dashed hopes before. By Saturday, March 28, Marlene herself felt disappointed. Her roommate had gone home. There was no one to take her to church. She had no contact with any local church. And as she poured out her heart to God, she felt him speak again, assuring her that he would show her the right church. What an impossibility. She can't speak, she can't see, she can't communicate, she's stuck on her own in a nursing home, has no contact with the local church, which, by the way, we should be having contact with our local nursing homes a bit more, shouldn't we? When a nurse came in to feed her on Sunday morning, March 29, she managed to mouth yellow pages. Because she was insistent, the nurse bought her a phone book and Marlene had her open it to the church directory. There the Lord seemed to highlight for her the name of a local open Bible church, so she asked the nurse to dial the number for Marlene. The nurse left, disturbed, but finally returned shortly after noon, called the number and put the receiver to Marlene's mouth. Scott Emerson, the pastor, answered, Marlene managed to ask whether his church believed in healing. Yes, he admitted. You're the one, she concluded. You can visit me. It wasn't clear whether the pastor would understand her, so the nurse took the phone again. Sir, I don't know who you are or where you are, but you'd better get down here. She gave him the room number and then promptly hung up. Then Marlene waited patiently for four hours. The pastor had the room number, but he didn't know which of the two hospitals had called or the patient's name. Hesitantly, Pastor Emerson arrived that afternoon. He was a taken back by Marlene's condition. He and his church believed in miracles, but had never witnessed anything like this before. Nevertheless, he listened to her as she struggled to recount her vision, interpreted to him by a nurse who had learned to understand Marlene. Emerson looked like the pastor she had seen and he agreed that her description of the church matched what his church looked like. But at first he didn't seem to take the hint to invite her for the evening service. Finally, however, a Christian nurse helped to get authorization, and Pastor Emerson brought Marlene to his church's evening service. The church is to offer more than just empathy. We we need to offer people more than just empathy. You know, that sounds terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry you're sick. I'm thinking of you. We need to do more than just meet physical needs. We need to do more than just, you know, giving money, giving charity, caring for physical ailments and disability. Peter and John didn't have any money to offer that man, did they, outside the temple? And ultimately, money wasn't going to solve that man's problems, was it? You know, a one off handout of money is still going to leave him begging each day for more money to buy food. But healing him so that he can earn a living and be part of the community that's what this man needs. This is the answer to his physical suffering. This is the ultimate answer for, for a whole body, soul, spirit transformation that comes later when Peter Peter preaches the good news about Jesus. The miracle is an expression of God's love and mercy that God has for this man, that God has for his creation, that God has for you. God's desire is not for your suffering. God's desire is for your wholeness. The church, we, are to offer this healing, this wholeness, this spiritual power. We are to offer solutions that go beyond temporary fixes, beyond sympathy, beyond goodwill. governments, Governments can give handouts of money, can't they? Unbelievers can offer sympathy and goodwill, but the church, we've been tasked with going a step further and offering power for healing. Do you believe that? Is that true? We, the church, are to be a people filled with the resurrection power of Jesus. No other group, no other organisation, no other government can do that. That's our job. That's your job. Is it wrong for us to respond to human needs of charity or with money or with empathy or with kind words? Of course not course it's not. Do that. Please, do that. But that's, that's like a level one response. Like, we've got to level up, church. That's the minimum. We, 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 we can start there, but don't stay there. We need to start using the power of Jesus so that we can offer so much more than what others can offer. Let me read to you some more from Marlene. Pastor Emerson brought Marlene to his church's evening service. It was Sunday, March 29, and there were about seven members there. <laughs> no excuses, church, that we don't have enough people. Right? right? Seven. Interesting number. Hmm. He explained what the Bible said about healing and then invited his church members to gather round. I've never prayed for someone like this before. (laughs) He confessed, not very encouragingly, but then he led the group in prayer. After they prayed, Scott asked Marlene if, by faith, she wanted to try and walk. So obviously there, there, there wasn't too many visible things happening here in this scenario. The pastor's feeling a little bit hesitant about the whole situation. They've never seen a miracle happen before, but all right, out of obedience, he prays and says, well, do you want to get up, Marlene? She did not know what by faith meant. (laughs) Don't you just love that? (laughs) But she knew that she wanted whatever God had. Well, that's faith, isn't it? So she grunted affirmatively. They released the restraints on her wheelchair Raised her up. <laughs> Suddenly, she testifies, my he- feet hit the floor flat, and for the first time, I could feel the floor under my shoes. I took a few steps with others holding on to me, then they let go of me. Her feet still pointed inward, but they began to straighten with every step. Each lap she took around the inside of the church she grew stronger and stronger, learning greater motor control as everyone celebrated with her. Now she, she, her eyes felt warm, and she gained her to Heavenly Father, this time telling her to take off her glasses. And when she took them off, she found that her vision was completely healed, soon certified as better than 2020. Pastor Emerson felt that he needn't bother with the sermon that night. Okay? And the group went out for ice cream to celebrate. How good's that? And, and Marlene held and ate an ice cream cone for the first time. As they were leaving, they ran into a worker from the Mayo Clinic. He had seen Marlene's wheelchair sticking out of the back of the pastor's yellow Volkswagen and feared that this meant Marlene had died. When instead he saw Marlene, he asked stunned, Marlene, is that you? She recounted the story and he beat them back to the hospital with the news. (laughs) Oh, that's good news right there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine imagine that church? Can you imagine that pastor? Like, you know, he's prayed for sore backs and cold and flu symptoms before, but this, like, never prayed for this obvious, visible level of need. And it's going to be really obvious if nothing happens. And so very disappointing for this lady who has all her hopes pegged on a miracle from your church. Of course, the tension in all of this The elephant in the room. I'm going to name the elephant in the room. This is the little niggle, isn't it, that stops you praying. This is the little thing that stops you walking up to that lady in the the gopher at the supermarket and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Get up and walk. Um, Why doesn't everyone get healed when we pray? Is that a question you ask? Why doesn't everyone get healed? You know, I think when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it saw the launch of the the new kingdom, the on earth as it is in heaven kingdom. And so his followers, filled with his spirit, become part of this new kingdom project. This resurrection of Jesus, it's the beginning of God's new creation. It's the beginning of God's new world. It's started, it's begun It brings in a new age where God's rule and reign and his kingdom has been launched and it begins to transform the world and the people in it. But the transformation is not yet complete. It's not yet finished. One day it will be finished when Jesus returns and God makes all things on heaven and on earth new when he makes new heavens and earth. And so I think it's a bit like the the, the time we're living in now, it's a bit like living In the dawn, you know at dawn the sun has come up, the new day has started, okay? But it's still a bit dark, isn't it? And and it's not yet midday. Like at some point in the day it will be midday and there will be the full light of the sun shining across the earth. But for now it's dawn, okay? And you can see the sun and, and you can see things but there's still shadows around, isn't there? There's still shadows of darkness there. It's not fully daylight yet and so we live in this this sort of this dawn of God's new kingdom this dawn of God's new creation and we know that the midday sun will come we know that one day the full light of God's glory and presence will 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 shine on our earth and we'll be able to see all things new and clear in that light of his presence but for now there are shadows There's darkness. There's the breaking in of that light. But we are still waiting. We are groaning with all of creation for the return of Jesus, aren't we? And so with the breaking in of the new day, we see miracles. We see healing breaking in. But not always, not fully, not every time. God's desire is for his creation to live in the fullness of this light. That's his desire. He doesn't desire suffering for you. He doesn't desire sickness for you. That doesn't give him glory. Suffering does not glorify Jesus. He doesn't desire that for you. That I am sure about. But, but, here's the but, of God's will in any present moment, I'm less sure of. And this is something Philip Yancey says. He says, I know the desires of God, but of God's will in any situation, that that I'm less sure of. You know, because now we live at dawn. So we know what God desires. He desires healing. But for now, we're living at dawn. So what is our mission? As the church, as followers of Jesus, what should we do? What should we do? We need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's to pray in line with what the Spirit desires. It's to use the power of the Spirit we've been given. It's to speak Jesus into people's lives. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have is the fullness and the power of the Spirit. And so in the name of Jesus, be healed. Get up and walk. We are to speak and act in the name of Jesus. If this is new to you, if this is a, just a step further than what your faith is currently sitting right now, to, to get up and speak healing into people's lives, I want, to, I want to say this. Will you start with speaking Jesus into your own life, into your own circumstances, into your family's circumstances? You know, if it's a step too far for you to bowl up to that person on the way to church and say, be healed in Jesus' name, will you start by speaking Jesus into your own circumstances? Will you start by, by asking for prayer from your church? Like this is a safe place here where we can ask for prayer, for healing or really for anything else that we're in need of. So we just start there. Can we as a church start learning how to speak Jesus into our own situations, into our own need for healing? Steve, I wonder if I could have you just um, playing on the keys up there for a little bit. Is that all right? Maybe speak Jesus. Okay, let's get that song on. Who here here has a situation that needs a miracle? Do you have a situation right now that you need the presence and the power of Jesus present in? Is that anyone? Is anyone? Yeah, there's a few people. Yep. Who here, after listening to this message, is thinking, I believe, Lord but help my unbelief. Who here is thinking that? I do believe, Lord, but gosh, this is a bit new and a bit different and a bit challenging for me, but I want to grow in faith as it comes to healing, as it comes to your supernatural work in this world. Is that anyone here today? Yeah. I just want to invite you, and look, I I don't want to twist the arm or guilt you into it. I I get what it's like to sit there in the pew and your heart's beating and you're kind of a sense in God, but you're also freaked out about receiving prayer. Get it, I know. So, you know, I don't want to put the pressure on you there. I do just want to give you an opportunity. Again, this is a safe place. And Again, I'm probably a bit like that pastor. I mean, if you come up here with a significant thing, I'm like, well, I probably haven't prayed for that before but out of obedience i I see this in scripture i see this as our calling i see this as our um the the expression of the resurrected power of jesus at work in us i just want to give you an opportunity if you need prayer if you need jesus in a circumstance in your life especially for healing but other things too come just come 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 out and receive prayer. If you're someone who says, I, I believe, Lord, but I, I, I help my unbelief, I want to grow in faith. I want to know what it is to experience the resurrected power of Jesus in my life. Come. Just come. Come. And, and, and we're going to pray together. It's not even so much that I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray for together, church. So if you're in need of here, Jesus over your life. We're going to speak Jesus into your situation. Jesus into your into your faith, yeah. church. While I'm praying, it's not too late to come. Feel free just to come. But we're going to sing this song again. We'll just speak Jesus over these people as we pray over them. And please, if you want to, if you want to receive, come. It's not too late.